The title of my message tonight, just for a little bit of time that we're together, is Get in the Cluster. I want you to type that in the, in the chat. Get in the cluster. I'm going to make it live in a little bit, but I want you to type one, one good time. Do it. Somebody do it in bold letters. Get in the cluster. Because what Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah was saying, say, hey, you, you, you've, you've been too scattered. You've been, you, you've been thinking about other things, and we haven't been pulling in the same direction. And what God is saying is, I desire to make new wine out of you, my children of God. But there is no blessing in being a single solitary grape. Only new wine can be produced by a cluster of grapes. Now, let's make this live just a little bit. When we talk about winemaking or in anything that you have to mass produce, you can't mass produce anything of quality with just a single grape or a single rose or a, a, a single strawberry. You can't make a, a strawberry shortcake with a single strawberry, but when you get a collective bushel of them, you can make something great. And what God is saying is that basically you can do more together than you ever could separately. And so consequently, what the enemy tries to do, he tries to make us live in a state of isolation. He likes us to live in the episode of our lives. He likes us to function in silos when he knows that there is a collective energy and there is a blessing. The word of God said right there, he said, do not destroy it, for there is a blessing in it, meaning that there is a blessing in interconnectivity. Meaning that when God sees us bearing each other's burdens and lifting each other up and admonishing each other and encouraging each other and the strong bearing the infirmities of the weak, that God said, I see a blessing there. I can make wine out of this, but if we live a life of isolation, God said that there was no blessing in that. If you don't understand that, that you maybe you understand this. If you ever watch National Geographic and you see all the antelope, they're moving together, right? They're moving together. And, they, and on, on National Geographic, they'll show like the cheetah or the lion just, just, laying, just laying low in the, in the prairie, right? What he will do, he won't attack the whole herd. He will find out which one is left behind, which one is dragging, which one is not keeping up with the cluster of the other antelope. And he said, that's, that's my prey right there. And when the lion or the cheetah starts chasing after that herd, the, 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 there, there, is, uh, there is safety in numbers. Because what, the, what, that, what that lion or cheetah will do, it will center in on the one who is, who is being left behind or who has strayed away from the pack. That's what the enemy does for us. That's the reason he, he wants us to, to have distrust and malcontent towards our brothers and our sisters in the household of faith. Because if I can get you isolated. If I can get you away from the brethren, if I can get you away from the protection and somebody encouraging you and telling you their testimony and letting you know that you can make it, I can isolate you. And if I can isolate you, I can have you as my prey. Psalm 133 and 1 says this. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran up down upon the beard of Aaron that went down to his skirts of his garments. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew descending upon the mountains of Zion. Look at this, y'all. For there the Lord commands a blessing even more, even life evermore. 
In essence, God said, wherever I see unity, wherever I see togetherness, wherever I see lack of strife and envy and, and people going at each other, God said, that's, that's a place, that is, that is territory, that is real estate that I can bless wherever I see unity. Let me tell you how, how strong unity is. In Genesis, there were some people who, who made up in their minds. Y'all listen very closely. There were some people in Genesis that said, made up in their minds, say, look, guess what? I don't know what they were doing one day, but they said, you know, we're going to build a tower to heaven. And so guess what? They, they started doing it. Say, hey, you, you, we put our minds together. We're, we're talking in the same language. We're speaking the same thing. We're pulling in the same direction. And the word of God said that they began to build a tower up to heaven. And God said, look, because of this creative God-like ability that I have given all, the, all mankind and now they're getting unified, God had to come down and confound their language. And if he did not confound their language, he said they would have achieved it and made a way into heaven. That's how powerful our unity is. And if we know that, and if God, uh, God Jehovah knows that, that unity is so powerful, guess who else knows it, y'all? The enemy of our souls knows that if, if that the people of God are unified, there is nothing that they cannot accomplish. And so what does he do? He comes and he sows discord. He sows, he sows malcontent. He sows uh, my brother looking at, uh, looking at her je of a jealousy. And why did you speak to me like that? And, and, and why didn't you apologize to me? And that's because he knows if I can just get you disjointed, if I can cause a, a little bit of chaos among the brethren, you will be focused on each other and you'll never be focused on the real enemy. God responds where he finds unity. Got another example for you. In, in the book of Acts, the first chapter, as a matter of fact, it's a famous book. A lot of people read it and make doctrine around it. It's the day of Pentecost. It says that when they were all in one place and in one accord, then there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled all of those who were in there. Now, people lose, people get caught up in the, the cloven tongues of fire, and, and those things are biblical and they should happen. But we, we, we often overlook the fact that it could have happened at any time. God could have sent his Holy Spirit in the earth at, at any time, but he reserved a moment when, we, when the people of God were in one place, on one accord, then there was a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, meaning this that God responds to our unity. God responds to our unity, to our unity. So therefore, we cannot neglect the gathering of ourselves together in the cluster. And I know, I know, we're in, the, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, and it may be ending. And so people say, you know, I, I've enjoyed watching church from home, and and you know. But let me tell you something. There is something about the gathering of God's saints in the same room. I don't believe, and this is just a Pastor Tonyism. I don't believe that the, that the day of Pentecost would have happened with all the people who were, who were, who were uh, logged in on Zoom at the same time. It's something about being in one place, on one accord, with one heartbeat and one goal in mind. It gets the attention of God. There is a level of blessing from God that, can, that is only reserved for the collective and not the individual. You may say, well, well, you know, well, Pastor Tony, I'm, you know, 
uh, I've been church hurting. I'll just, I'll just go to heaven from my living room. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Pastor Andy teaches so great. And the worship is so, is, is so, is so effective. And, you know, I really can feel the spirit of God. And so I, I get so much. But let me tell you something. There is something that you get in this room that you cannot get on the other side of your screen. There is something knowing you seeing a brother or a sister raise their hands and, and hearing the collective roar when people praise God and, and feeling God descend in this room. There is something that cannot be matched. There is something that we get in the collective that we do not get in the individual. And so if I were the devil, and I'm not, but if I were the devil, I would, I would put things in your way to isolate you. Oh, I may, oh, this is so convenient. I don't have to get dressed and I don't have to do this. But let me tell you something. As, as, uh, um, as COVID protocols are lifting and mass mandates, people are going everywhere. They're going to movie theaters and they're going to sporting events and they're going to all types of places. But I'm telling you, there is something in the house of God for you. It doesn't have to be here. It can be your respective place, wherever, whatever town and whatever city you're in. But I'm telling you, there is something that when the saints gather together and we want you to connect with the cluster. Hebrews 10 and 23 says this. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without any wavering, for he is faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke each other unto love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much more as ye see the evil day approaching. That's one benefit of when we get together. When we cluster together with our brothers. When we cluster together with our, with our sisters. When we fellowship with each other. We consider each other and we provoke each other to love. That means sometimes we may hold each other accountable. Say, hey, I haven't seen you in church. Where you been? Hey, don't know. There's a real devil out there. You need to be high. There are certain things. There are, cer there are certain level of fellowship. There are testimonies you hear. I'm, I'm telling you, as I walk about from, from here and there and in the lobby, you hear people's testimonies. You hear love. And you hear all these things that are transparent. You, you see love flowing from heart to heart and breast to breast. You can't get that sitting at home. And so... We cannot forsake. And, and the word of God says, as the, as the evil day draws nearer, we, sh we shouldn't disperse. We should cluster together even more. Because where sin abounds, grace has to that much more abound. For the believer, fellowship, which is one of our topics, is not a concept. Fellowship is essential. Iron sharpens iron. How can iron sharpen iron if, if this piece of iron is over here and that piece of iron is over there? The sharpening, it sharpens us. It refines us. And guess what? Sometimes, y'all, when iron hits iron, sparks fly. Meaning, meaning your personality may rub, you, rub your brother or your sister wrong, and that's okay. But as long as we're making each other better, we're getting the rough edges off each other. Fellowship is not a concept. It's essential. It's essential. You have to know that somebody is praying for you. Somebody is interceding for you. 
Sometimes, sometimes when we get together, whether it's in a small group or whatever, you need to know that somebody else cares because those are the mind games that the devil plays on us that we're the only one going through. We, uh, we are, uh, uh, if your brother, your sister, they're not going through this, and the devil tells, all, tells us all these lies. And when we get together with our brother and sister, the word of God says that we overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the Lamb. How can we hear each other's testimony if we stay in isolation? We must fellowship. And you might say, well, Pastor Tony, that sounds all well and good, but, you know, you don't know what happened to me and, and, and this and that. I understand, y'all. Life happens. And church is a messy place. If you're looking for a perfect church, you're never going to find one. But this is the place. This is the station. This is the hospital where we come to get better. We come to lay down our issues and pick up God's joy. And so I've got three things that are the enemies of a cluster. Because again, new wine is going to be found in the collection of the grapes, not an individual one. The first thing is offense. One of the reasons that many people are watching me right now, the reason that, you know, well, you know, I just don't like people like that. And the last time I trusted somebody, they hurt me. And, and, and Pastor such and such from three churches ago, they did. And I've never been able just to lean in. We have let a spirit of offense isolate us to be the antelope that is, that is away from the pack. And you don't know that you're in danger. God saying you have to let offense go. Don't let, and this is with any relationship, because when we talk about fellowship, we're talking about relationship. That's all church is. Church is a collective a body of believers that have, that have committed not only to be in relationship with God, but to be in relationship with each other. <laughs> now, if you, if you look at the model of the cross, it is vertical up to God, and it's horizontal to each other. You can't have one without the other. But we let offenses drive us away from the cluster. And don't let the pain from a previous relationship undermine your confidence in the institution of relationship. I'm going to say that again. Don't let the hurt of a previous relationship undermine your confidence in the institution of relationship. That's the reason God created man, so that he could commune with him and be in relationship with him. Even Jesus needed relationship. God could have let Jesus just be born, you know, because his, his, his purpose for coming here was just to be born, to shed blameless, spotless blood, to redeem us. But Jesus was born into a family. He had an earthly mother and a father, and he had 12 disciples. He had 12 disciples. Now, if Jesus had not created relationship with the 12 disciples, when he would have died and rose again and went to the cross, the church would have stopped with him. But yet and still, because of the relationship with Peter, James, and John. And you might say, well, you know, even, you know, even when Jesus picked, he, he picked one that betrayed him. Well, y'all, you have to understand the providence and the wisdom of God. That in order to get Jesus to the cross, there had to be a Judas. 
There had to be a Judas to betray him because the rest of them loved him too much to sell Jesus out. So everybody has a purpose of every relationship in your life for certain seasons, but we cannot throw away the institution of relationship just because we had a bad experience. And some of you watching me right now say, you know what? I won't trust again. I won't love again. I won't let my God down again. And you are blaming the institution that God created. He told, when he created Adam, he said, it's not good that man be alone. Because he needs to relate with each other. It's, it's, you know, I, I know Adam, me and, Adam, me and you have a good relationship. But you need somebody on your level that you can relate with. It's not good for man to be alone. The, and the enemy has been isolating us. And when we get isolated, we short fuse our destiny. We short fuse our future and our anointing because God never puts one thing in everybody. You may be talented over here, but you need something over there. Somebody may be very attractive over here, but, they, but, but they, they, they don't know how to analyze and do things. God never puts one thing in everybody, or, or else we would think we're God. <laughs> God said, I'm always going to put a vacuum where you need me and you need somebody else. Or we, or we would be the most arrogant people ever walking around. So God is always going to create a vacuum to where you're going to need to relate to somebody else. So that's number one. The enemy of the cluster is offense. And we need to let these offenses go. Paul said offenses will come. That's <laughs> what Pastor Tonyism is this. You can't, you can't help when offenses come, but being offended is a choice. You have a choice whether you stay offended. Whether you chew on that thing and you, and you let it fester and you, and you let it harden your heart and, and create calluses on your emotions. You have a choice in the matter. You can't help what happened to you, but you have a choice how you respond to it. Number two, the second enemy of the cluster of the grapes is pride. Many of us are filled with pride. We may have been the offended ones, or we may, we may have been the one who, was, who did the offending. And we know that we need to go make peace. We know we need to say, you know what? I gave you that money, and, 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 I, you know, and we agreed that you would, you, would, you would pay me back, and you've been dodging me, and that's okay. We need to go to them and say, you know what? I'm going to give that to you because my heart being hardened is not worth blocking up my prayer life, blocking up my future. When I see you, I want to have peace in my heart. I don't want to avoid you, and, I, and when I see you, I don't want to feel something in my heart. And Y'all know that what happened. We, we think we're over something as long as we don't see them, but let us walk through the mall and see them. Do, do a heart check. There, there's something still there. And God is saying, you need to let that pride say, no, but God, they did me wrong. And I know, I know I'm in your driveway tonight. God, they did me wrong, and I didn't do anything to them. They the one that talked about me, and they the, and they the one that, was, that ran me down, and they the one that left me hanging. And, and the word of God says we need to do good to those who despitefully use us. It ain't about their heart. It's about your heart. And, the, and your future is not worth holding on to offense. And many times it's our pride that is in the way. Is it about you or is it about the kingdom? 
And so my encouragement to you tonight is to look in your heart. Do some, do some, do some introspection. I say, God, I don't want pride to be in the way. If I need to make a call, if I need to go and, and go by the graveyard and people might be there and say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Pastor Andrew was talking about that just this, just this Sunday. That, that, that forgiveness is not for, not for them. Forgiveness for you. Creating me a clean heart. A clean heart is not just always about sin, y'all. Are we harboring unforgiveness? Are we harboring offense? Do we know we need to let it go, but our stubbornness and our pride won't let us do it? That's an enemy of the cluster. So my question to you is, what is it that's being withheld from you because your pride will not allow you to reconcile? What is it? I don't know what it is. It could be blessing. It could be healing. It could be favor. It could be new careers. It could be new, new clientele. I don't know what it is, but there is something that is right over your head that cannot make its way to you because pride won't let you forgive. Because pride won't allow you to come and say, you know what, I was wrong for that. Or I may not have been wrong, but I forgive you already because I want peace. See, Jesus was talking to his disciples when he was giving them the Beatitudes. He said, blessed is the peacemaker, not the peacekeeper. And so many times we're trying to keep peace. And when we keep peace, we brush things under the rug. When we're keeping peace, we don't address, we don't have adult conversations with people. But God is saying, I'm not blessing the peacekeeper. I'm blessing the peacemaker. And sometimes to make peace, it's got to get ugly before it gets beautiful. Sometimes when we make peace, we got to have difficult conversations that may be uncomfortable. But God said, if you're willing to make peace, I'll bless you. I'll bless the works of your hands. I'll bless everything that you touch. I'll bless your ideas and your plans. I will bless you if you're willing to do the hard and uncomfortable thing to lay your pride down and make peace. I hope somebody's being blessed. Come on, come on. I want somebody to type right now that that I'm going to get in the cluster. The devil has been driving me away. The devil's been making me offended and making me scared. But I'm going to get in the cluster. Whatever I have to do. Because there is anointing. There is a blessing. And there is new wine in that cluster. I hope you're being blessed tonight. The last thing. After we talk about offenses being the enemy, and pride being the enemy. The last thing is our lust for preference. <laughs> you Pastor Tony, what are you talking about? See, when we, when, we, when we think about lust, we're always thinking about something carnal and something fleshly and trying to be in somebody's bed and admiring somebody's shape. That's one form of lust, but, but we are such creatures of what we want. And it's, it's, it's not our fault all the way. Society has made it so you can, you can customize your car and you can customize your shoes and you can, you can go to Starbucks and nobody's drink is the same. It used to be you went to a place, just give me coffee. And, you, and the amount of creams you put in it, but now we want caramel and we, we, it got to be uh, with almond milk or, or all these other things. We, we are such creatures of wanting things to be so customized. That we come in the house of God, we come with our brothers and sisters, and we want it the way we want it. It's all about my preferences. I don't like that song. I don't like how Pastor Josh and them be up there jumping and running around. They don't take all that. Why can't they just sit still? I don't like the fact that Pastor Andy's wearing suits now and he's wearing Air Jordans. That's disrespectful. It ain't about you. <laughs> it ain't about you. 
God wants to use you, but don't get it twisted, beloved. It is not about you. And I have a saying that I prefer kingdom advancement over my personal preference. It may not be my cup of tea, but God, if you're getting glory out of it, that's good enough for me. It may not be my favorite song, but God, you're getting glory for it. So as a result, my job is to lift my hands and bless you, even though it ain't my favorite song. Pastor may not be wearing the, right, the, the thing that I would wear, but God knows the word of God is coming from the man of God. Are we worshiping our preferences or are we worshiping our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? I know it's tight tonight, but these are the things that keep us disjointed and keep us from being in a place of unity. Not only are we to be in fellowship with each other to, to, to maintain the cluster, but we are to evangelize, y'all. It's not good enough for us just to be in the cluster, but we should be looking for opportunities to grow the cluster. Matthew 28 and 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you and surely I am with you always even to the end of the age. It's not good enough just to be in the cluster. Oh man, I'm so glad I'm in the cluster. I'm so glad I'm in this group and, I, and, and, and my life is just better and when I fellowship with the women of God and the men of God, it just elevates and when I go to Bible study, you can't be selfish with this thing. Our job is to go out into the highways and the hedges and compel men to come and I don't know who, who, who wrote this rule but people have, have bought into the lie that it's the pastor's job and the people that hold the might to bring people into to the kingdom of God when the word of God says you are to go out into the highways and the hedges and compel men to come you might say well pastor Tony I'm not eloquent with words and I don't speak like pastor Andy and I don't know all the books and I'm not a theologian but let me tell you something you can draw more people with your life than you ever can with your words so I want to leave three things with you before we go you are an evangelist. I know that's one of the fivefold in the ministry, but you are an evangelist on your job, in the marketplace. You are an evangelist. Somebody type, I am an evangelist. I'm a cluster evangelist. My job is to go out and grow the kingdom of God. So here's three ways as I'm about to leave you. First way is tell your story. It used to be people knocked on the door, I want to share Jesus Christ with you. People have no soliciting laws now, and, and people are just crazy, so you can't do that. But whenever you have an opportunity, tell your story. You might think your story is insignificant, but somebody needs to hear what God brought you from and where he's placed you at right now. I guarantee you there is somebody that wants to hear your story of redemption, your story of how God brought you from the back to the front. Somebody needs to hear your story. Number two. You need to be a witness. A good witness on the stand can give days, details with clarity and conviction to influence the jury that this is the truth. Have you had enough experience? Can you accurately tell and be a witness that God did this for me? There was no goodness of my own, but God did this thing for me. And lastly, not only we would tell your story, not be a witness, not only be a witness, but we need to walk this witness out. Some people are never going to walk through the threshold of a church door, but you can be a living epistle. 
You can be a living testimony. You can be a living sermon. The world is watching us. When we name the name of Jesus Christ, you are instantly under the microscope. It may not be fair, but it's the reality and the truth of the matter. And people are looking at your responses. In the, in, when, they say, when, when controversy is going on on a job, they are looking at the Christian's response. When people are telling dirty jokes in the, in, in the break room, they're looking at your response. Are you going to complain like the rest of them? Or are you going to respond like God would want you to do? Y'all, it's all about the cluster. There is strength in the cluster. There's new wine in the cluster. There is protection in the cluster. So when we fellowship and when we evangelize, we make the cluster healthy. We make it vibrant and we build the kingdom of God until Jesus returns for his bride. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for the foundations of our faith. And one of the strong foundations, God, is fellowship, that we interrelate with each other. We cross-pollinate with each other. And sometimes, God, we're going to rub each other the wrong way because we're just people, God. But we thank you, Lord, that there is strength. There was anointing. And there was a blessing in the cluster of the grapes. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that, you, that if people are burdened right now with offenses or pride, or, or, or they, they, are, they, they have a lust for their preference over the kingdom being advanced. God, would you deal with us tonight? Would you deal with us? Would you let the word of God be a mirror to us so that we can correct what is out of alignment with your will? Lord, I thank you right now that this is a clarion call that, that are bringing a wayward sons and daughters back to the fellowship of the brethren. Lord, as COVID protocols are lifting, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that people are coming to the sanctuary to get strength. There is healing in the sanctuary. There is strength that is drawn from interrelating with our brothers and sisters that we cannot get sitting at home. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that when we, when we make up our minds to be a cluster, to be, I'm not, we're just a single solitary grape, God, but together we can make wine. Together, we can perform the, the miracles that you called us to do. Together, we can make a difference and an impact on this sin-sick world, God. When we cluster together, when we bring out your talents and my gifts and, and my anointing, God, and put it all together, God, it's something beautiful. It's something that you admire, and it is something that you desire to use in this last and evil day. God, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that you're healing minds, you're healing emotions. And you're calling your children back to the cluster. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. And we're going to look to see you here this Sunday so you can start clustering with us for College Sunday. God bless you. We love you. Take care.